Mystery Basement. Each week, me and my friend Mike are drawn inexplicably and supernaturally to this basement, wherein lurks every scary thing that has ever been, including a snowman, gremlin, wait, there's a film critic gremlin? Also a clown gremlin, a dog, no, I think it's a werewolf gremlin. Uh Uh-oh, Mikey, there's a Santa gremlin down here, too? If these are the gremlins we can see, that means there's got to be an army of them down here somewhere causing chaos. I will tell you right now, I'm not stoked to see all the gremlins down here. It feels like babysitting as opposed to the regular scary basement monsters (laughs) that feel like they're trying to kill us. (laughs) Which I think you'll agree is way more annoying than trying to be killed. Yeah, it's definitely more annoying. Like when you're killed you're just killed and that's it but these guys want to like prolong your annoyance and keep you annoyed for as long as possible because that's what they delight in that's their version of stalking you through the cornfields yeah it's every bit machete every bit as evil as trying to kill us i'm mikey mccollar and i'm roxy polk so mikey how about we start things out as we always do with the uh, scariest things that happened to us this week so What went down in your life outside of the scary basement that spooked you to your bones? Roxy, I found a tweet on the website twitter.com. Okay. That freaked me right out. Oh. Um, It was uh, a tweet by a man named Joe McAdam, at Joe McAdam. The tweet is, sorry to say I'm confused by this pizza box. And the image is a box of pizza that says, one bite. Everybody knows the rules. What the hell? Yeah, this is confusing. Is this actual text? (laughs) I don't know the rules. And if everybody knows the rules, I'm freaked out. I missed something. I don't know the rules. What if I'm going to get killed by this pizza? Is everybody like collectively sharing one slice of pizza? That's what it seems to be implying. Like you only get one bite on this one slice of pizza. Everybody's got in the world has to share it. (laughs) That's what's so unsettling. It's like it's like being in a room and everybody knows the secret except for you. Yeah. Also, geez, way to be tone deaf. Like after the pandemic, we should not be sharing food, biting off the same piece of pizza collectively. <laughs> that sounds like a bad way to get the pandemic going again. Good job, Very. one bite pizza or whatever the hell this brand is. <laughs> Very germophobic of them. <laughs> no, they're germs conscious. Who cares? Roxy, what was the scariest thing that happened to you this week? Before I get into that, I want to say Merry Christmas, Mikey. Merry Christmas, listeners. This is our Christmas episode, dude. It's you Christmas feeling in the time. Christmas spirit aside I, from being scared by pizza? I am. You know, I feel like Christmas is a time. It's it's it makes sense that there are so many gremlins down here. Christmas is a time of just low-level anxiety. You're always a little anxious. Are my are they gonna like my presents? Am I gonna get enough presents? Am I gonna have someone to spend the holidays with? It's a little low-level anxious anxiety inducing uh but i'm happy to be in it i do like carols i do like seeing everybody putting up the lights how are you feeling about christmas roxy i'm feeling great i mean you and me got to decorate the scary basement a little bit you know Mm -hmm. with demon butts helped string up the lights a little bit higher because i'm not going up to that cursed (laughs) spider web to hang Hang, hang some icicle lights, he can handle it. Uh, Demonbot did that thing where his legs extended like robots, like, chuk, 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 so he could hang the lights very high. Yep. So we were getting into the festive spirit down here. Mm-hmm. So I'm having a great time getting to hang out with family and stuff. Uh, we don't have like a bunch of super ingrained Christmas tra- traditions, but it's just kind of like relaxing and like watching a bunch of dumb 
movies that are like Christmas themed, be they diehards or some horrible uh, Hallmark <laughs> romance movie. But just like the aesthetics of Christmas trees and all the lights and I mean, snow, if you got it in the location you're at, there's just something mm-hmm. very, very cozy and comfy about it. Yeah. The Christmas season smells a certain way. Is that? Yes. Does that yeah, yeah. There's you? so many like seasonal flavors. I, I mm-hmm. love like peppermint chocolate. Mint chocolate flavors are a huge one for Christmas time that I love. Oh, yeah. I got gingerbread, of course. <laughs> cinnamon stuff, too. A lot, a lot of cinnamon flavors. Although that's kind of like fall in general, but kind of mixed in with a bunch of stuff. Spices. Eggnog. Yeah. Are you an eggnog guy, Mikey? Love an eggnog. Put a okay. little uh, booze in that bad boy. Get yourself you a little sloshed. Ah, hell yeah. <laughs> Take that Christmas party. Put on a Santa hat and a lampshade at the same time, baby. I'm going to feel a lot of shame in the morning. <laughs> Only if somebody takes photo reference of it. Otherwise, you can pretend like it didn't happen. Uh-huh. Yeah. I'll, I'll lie to my friends and family. <laughs> there you go. They won't remember it either. They'll be also wearing lampshades on their heads. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the scariest thing that happened to me this week is Christmas themed, unfortunately. Now, I hate to bring <sighs> you down after I built you all up there. Oh, no. What did I Christmas got a Christmas present for someone that was like, a custom printed t-shirt that was like, man, this is like very niche specific thing that this person is going to like. I finally got it delivered just in time so I could wrap it Mm -hmm. and give it to them because I have to give this present to this person person, which gives an added layer to it. It's misprinted. I can't give this to this person. Uh, So now what am I I supposed to do? Christmas night. Feels like you got printed by the Grinch. Yeah, truly. I can't believe I've been foiled by the Grinch on Christmas. I should have been on the lookout for him. I thought I thought we had to be proactive about gremlins and Krampuses, but uh, I completely forgot about the Grinch, which mm-hmm. was my fault, I guess, in retrospect. That's the fate. The Grinch sends out all the gremlins so he can sneak in, misprint your friend's shirt. Christmas is ruined. And, uh... Speaking of horrific monsters who are only out to be ruiners, here comes the demon bot. Mikey and Roxy, I hope you appreciate me hanging the lights. I'm still pulling spider webs out of my gears. Anyway, this week's holiday-themed horror film was the 1984 classic that caused the MPAA to create a new rating higher than PG, Gremlins. Did you watch the film? Roxy, I did watch Gremlins. Did you? Yes, I did watch Gremlins. Then you may keep your souls. Though you could have kept them even if you hadn't as my Christmas gift to you. The first of many gifts I have for you this year. Oh? The demon bot has gifts for us, Roxy. That's worrisome, but also nice. The first one is a pretty good starter that we don't have to worry about losing our souls. Um, But based on this being gremlins of all movies, this was probably the least likely to make us lose our souls aside from Nightmare Before Christmas, I'd say. So, uh, that seems like a gimme. That he it's a bizarre Christmas knew. present to say that, like, if you had done this bad thing, I would enact consequences on you. Because first of all, we didn't earn the consequences. <laughs> but yeah, second we really of all, didn't. second of all, it's like it's him deciding to do the evil thing. So yeah, or it's uh, like God the evil thing him. I do every week, just no evil thing this week. But next week, mm-hmm. I'll be back at it. Very much so. on the table. No, no, gimme here. <laughs> Well, Roxy, we did both watch Gremlins. Yes, we was Gremlins, which is a Christmas movie. 
It's easy to forget that this is a Christmas movie, but it mm-hmm. is. Christmassy as hell. Hell yeah. So how about for everybody listening up at the uh, basement door with our uh, holiday wreath, our spooky wreath, um, let's give them a plot summary. I love it. All right. It's a few days till Christmas, and in Chinatown, a struggling inventor, Randall Peltzer, visits an antique store. He wants to find a present for his son and try to sell his modern invention multi-tool to the antique store owner to sell in his antique store. Makes a lot of sense. I can see why this guy's great at his job and not struggling. Store owner Mr. Wing is not interested, surprise, surprise, and when inventor Randall finds a small, cute, furry creature called a mogwai in the store, he wants to get it for his son as a present. Mr. Wing, however, refuses, saying there's too much responsibility involved and he won't sell the mogwai. Also, it seems like it's his pet, so like what? (laughs) Mr. Wing might not take a deal when he sees it, but his little grandson sure will, because when his grandpa leaves the room, this little boy secretly completes the sale with Randall himself. Then, Randall is told the rules on how to take care of the Mogwai. Rule number one, they cannot stand light and sunlight will kill them. Rule number two, do not let the Mogwai come into contact with water. And number three, the most important rule, do not feed the Mogwai after midnight. Now that he has a gift for his son, Billy, Randall heads home to give it to him. Billy works at a bank where he has to deal with a ruthless real estate mogul. The widowed Mrs. Deagle, who claims that Billy's dog damaged her expensive ceramic snowman decoration, and she plans to kill the dog in retaliation, yelling it right in the middle of the bank. <laughs> this horrible old lady is also trying to get everyone's land deeds so that she can basically sell the whole town to a chemical plant. As we see her take the home of a struggling mother with two kids and have the bank manager in her back pocket to help her get the rest of the town. That night, Randall finally makes it home and gives his son the Mogwai, who he names Gizmo. By the way, this is the father naming his son's pet for some reason, instead of letting his son name the pet? Also, they already have a very good dog, so why did he need to get his son another pet? He very much sees this Mogwai and is like, this is perfect. And I'm watching, I'm thinking, no it's not. That's a very bad gift. He's kind of already got one. Anyway, Randall tells Billy the rules for caring for the Mogway, and Gizmo, Billy, and the dog all seem to be getting along great. That is, until Randall invites over his little friend Pete, who spills water on Gizmo. The water falling on Gizmo causes him to spawn five Mogwai from his back. These Mogwai aren't chilling cute like Gizmo. They're troublemakers and a little vicious and cunning. They also seem to be led by one of them in particular, Stripe, who has a striped tuft of fur on his head. Concerned, Billy takes the Mogwai to his former high school science teacher, Mr. Hansen. They spawn another Mogwai during the explanation of how Mogwai work, and Mr. Hansen decides to run some tests on this new Mogwai. Also, Billy's dad leaves town to go on an in- to an inventor's <laughs> convention. When Billy is distracted, Stripe changes the clock to show that it's before midnight. So when he and the new Mogwai are clamoring for food, Billy thinks it's fine to give them a huge plate of chicken. Little does Billy know that this little trick is the beginning of the chaos as the Mogwai cocoon overnight, as well as the Mogwai who Mr. Hansen is testing upon. They then burst out of these cocoons and emerge as dark green slimy reptilian monsters. They're gremlins, immediately causing mischief and chaos and attacking Mr. Hudson. They kill him and then attack Billy's mother. To his mother's credit, she kills three of the Mogwai on her own just using kitchen devices. 
and is then attacked by one hiding in a Christmas tree. Very uh, holiday spooky there. <laughs> Billy arrives just in time to save his mom and beheads the gremlin using a sword they have hanging by the door for some reason. Billy takes his mother to a neighbor who is a doctor, and that's the last we see of her until the ending. Spoilers. Uh, and goes after the remaining gremlin, Stripe, with Gizmo in tow. He follows Stripe to the YMCA, where it is jumped into a pool and is now massively multiplying to take over the town. Not knowing what else to do, Billy runs to the police to report the impending chaos. Of course, this goes over about as well as you can expect. Small town cops who think they're being pranked by a kid on Christmas Eve with reports of an invasion of little green men. Yeah, right. Billy even shows them Gizmo and they still don't believe him. But when the police get a call about an attack, they kick Billy out of the station and go to answer it. However, they don't listen to Billy as he tries to warn them that it's going to be gremlins. Meanwhile, at the bar, Billy's crush Kate is doing her best to keep up with the gremlins who have invaded the bar. We have gremlins playing poker. We have gremlins smoking cigarettes. We have gremlins pretending to be stoic noir protagonists for some reason. We have gremlins swinging from the rafters. We have gremlins flash dancing. They, they even get their own fancy camera work. We even have gremlins experimenting with makeup. And of course, through all of this, they are all drinking alcohol and eating candy and all other kinds of foods and making a general mess. <laughs> when Kate tries to light a cigarette to appease a gremlin, she notices it hates the fire. And then that gives her the idea to use the flash of a Polaroid camera to stun the gremlins and then escape. This works until the camera jams and a gremlin with a gun shows up. Billy narrowly saves Kate and the two of them, as well as Gizmo, run to the bank to hide from the gremlins and try to figure out what to do next. There's chaos in the streets as the gremlins throw horrible old lady Mrs. Deagle out of a window menace the cops and cause them to flip their car and generally just run rampant, destroying everything in their path. While hiding out in the bank, Kate reveals her tragic backstory of why she hates Christmas. You see, Kate's dad wanted to surprise his family by going down the chimney dressed as Santa, but instead he broke his neck and died and got stuck in the chimney. It's how she found out Santa wasn't real and she has PTSD from this. Billy hears this story and reacts very mildly to this horribly weird out of place story. After the tragic backstory reveal, everything is silent. It seems the gremlins know the sun is coming up soon, so they've gone somewhere quiet and dark to hide out. Turns out they're at the local movie theater, trashing the place, eating everything, and watching Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, and absolutely loving it. They're singing along and everything. Billy, Kate, and Gizmo are able to set off an explosion and kill all the gremlins in the theater, but Stripe, the leader, he was out getting candy nearby and survived yet again. He's very lucky. But boy, is he pissed that all of his friends are dead. Stripe runs into a department store and after a long chase scene, makes it to a fountain to spawn more gremlins. However, Gizmo is able to open a skylight right as the sun comes up and then kills Stripe before he can cause any more chaos. Stripe bubbles into goo right as Billy's dad Randall shows up for some reason, back from the convention in time for Christmas. He's contributed nothing aside from starting all this nonsense by being irresponsible and basically stealing Gizmo from Mr. Wang in the first place. Good, good move, Randall. The news reports on all this chaos, calling it mass hysteria as there's no evidence of the gremlins' bodies, I guess. Mr. Wing, in the time between uh, when Gizmo was stolen and now, has tracked down Randall and chastises him for the damage that was caused, saying that their Western society has yet again squandered nature's gifts and treated them poorly, resulting in all of this damage. He takes Gizmo back, and Gizmo says goodbye to Billy as the two became friends in a very cute scene where they bid farewell. 
Seeing this, Mr. Wing says maybe there's hope and that Billy might be ready to take Gizmo back someday. Randall apologizes to Mr. Wing right as Mr. Wing leaves, walking through the silent, snowy streets as the family sees him off. And Roxy, that is the movie Gremlins. That's the movie Gremlins. So this movie mm-hmm. is a cartoon. Basically, yeah. Uh-huh. And got a lot it of puppets. Been, a lot of puppets. We, chock full of puppets. It would have been one thing if just the gremlins were silly, but everybody in this movie is kind of silly. Like we have, I, I would argue that Randall and Mrs. Deagle are hyperbolic characters. They are they not are. familiar in real life. Like they are exaggerated. Like Mrs. Deagle is... Somehow more cartoonish of a Mr. Potter from It's America. It's I'm sorry, from It's a Wonderful Life than Mr. Potter himself from It's yep. a Wonderful Life. She is this malicious bank manager who is just lusting after all these deeds from the family she wants to take. Yeah, and just openly saying she's going to kill this boy's dog. Yes. Very <laughs> clear kid. that she's going to steal this boy's dog and kill him, which yeah. would be a crime. And she just says it out in the open for, like, everybody to hear, and everybody just looks at her silently. Because uh-huh. it feels like they can't do anything to oppose her either. They're so co-toed mm. by this horrible lady. <laughs> and, then, and then the dad, uh, God, yes. he's just a cartoon character. This father is an inventor, and this movie constantly shows us his inventions. And the joke is that they're all bad. They all, like, work uh, they, they all, like, spray stuff on you or get make a mess everywhere. But also... Yeah, they'll, like, work fine for a week and then break, apparently. This man is inventing a lot of things that already exist. Yeah. He's inventing an orange juicer. Like, he, Billy comes in and puts an orange in his dad's invented juicer and it sprays oranges everywhere. But it's like, they already invented the juicer. <laughs> There's yeah. nothing... You're not improving upon these things. He's not making new say. inventions and... Also, just, like, the way they afford their house, um, we didn't touch on this because the guy shows up and then is deleted from the movie because they cut his follow-up scenes, but there's, like, a hotshot banker guy who's, like, a little bit above Billy, who mm-hmm. he's supposed to be like, yeah, by, like, 25, I'm gonna be running this town kind of oh, yeah. attitude. And he's like, you're supporting your family. Your dad is a loser. And, like, he's, <laughs> he's kind of not wrong, though. Honestly. Right. Because, like, if Billy wasn't working at the bank, how would they afford rent? Because the dad seems to not be making any money doing anything. Mm-hmm. When his car breaks down later, instead of paying for his car, he's like, hey, do you want this smokeless ashtray instead? <laughs> he, like, goes on this long tirade to sell this guy this ashtray. And, by the way... Mikey, how do you feel about the line reads on the dad? Did they feel a little long and very winded and given too much screen time to you? I thought the actor who played the dad was very good and was kind of punching above his weight in this. Mm. I didn't necessarily get that sense that they were giving him too much screen time. Did you? I think it's more like just every time he's trying to sell these things, it's like the joke is that he's like, yeah, hey, I'm going to hawk this thing to you and try and convince you to to buy it. He does it like too many times, I feel like, when it's like we mm. get the joke. You don't have to keep going for like five minutes. And so later I learned 
this guy apparently improved most of his lines. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that, that makes sense. That's why those lines felt so awkward and like very long because he just kept going, which is like what that type of character would do. But also like, yeah, dude, we get it. <laughs> I would almost say like, it's, it's something that's uh, I think is kind of a good idea whenever you're writing a character and showing them doing their job. You mm-hmm. have to show like a base level of competency. And I always yeah, think about this as the competency is, yeah. There's the, the Tony Soprano not. versus Claire Danes dichotomy, right? Um in the show Homeland, Claire Danes Mikey's, plays a spy. This is Mikey's favorite analogy, by the way. It's the best. Claire Danes is a bad spy. She just like fucks up and most of the story propulsion is from Claire Danes making huge mistakes as a spy. She's a bad spy. Tony Soprano, on the other hand, is awesome at being a mobster. Like, he's a horrible person, but he's a good mobster, and he knows how to solve problems and gets what he wants. Like, we need to see our characters be pretty good at their job. And with Randall in the movie Gremlins, I would argue that obviously his inventions are bad, but I think he himself might be a pretty good salesman. I was kind of, like, sitting watching him, (laughs) feeling like I would buy the bathroom buddy. I think that's, like, he's kind of... The way he just, like, very nonchalantly is like, oh, that's okay, it just sprays water on you sometimes. Anyhow, the reason you'll want to buy this, like, he just went in and was very confident. Like, I would buy stuff from, I think, and I think it's more of a credit to this actor than it is the script. Like, hearing that he improv those lines makes a lot of sense to me, because I think that was the one competency they showed of him. Yeah, he's, like, got a very earnest, like, humble, down-to-earth kind of attitude, where, like... Mm -hmm. He believes what he's saying. It's not like the crooked used car salesman who is trying to, like, get you to just pay as much money as possible and get the shit out the door, whether it works or yes. not. Uh, he, especially because he's, like, making the inventions. <laughs> but the thing is, like, <laughs> he's not selling them in a way that will make money or be profitable. Like, in the opening scene, he is going to an antique store. A place that sells antiques, <laughs> which are unique items, and they're, like, old items. Trying to sell mm-hmm. them, hey, do you want to buy, like, dozens of these bathroom buddies? That seems like something that would sell in mm-hmm. your antique shop. Like, dude, what are you doing? And then, yeah, <laughs> Mr. Wing's like, no, I don't want that. <laughs> <laughs> but, so, yes, Randall, very fun character. Ultimately, not really used in this movie. He kind of fades away. He comes back yeah, to the Yeah, he ending. shows up. Just like calls the wife briefly, and then yeah, he he is the impetus, and then he just shows up at the beginning, has some brief scenes where he's at a convention, then shows up at the end. That's it. Yeah, bizarre. But he does introduce us to the Mogwai, this cute Gizmo. little character. I'm gonna be honest. I knew the conceit of Gremlins was that you have a very cute little guy, and he spawns the monsters that will turn into the the freak shows. Uh huh. I didn't think Gizmo was that cute. I thought he was way uglier than I remembered him being. The thing is, Gizmo, he has this vibe of just like, you know, he's like an Ewok looking guy. He like Mm -hmm. looks kind of like an Ewok. And the Ewoks in Star Wars, I think, are also not very cute. But Mm. there's something about like the way Gizmo moves and like the little noises he makes where he just Mm -hmm. he's. His acting, kind of, he's like a cute little guy. His face is, like, kind of weird, and some of the close-ups have very strange lighting. But he's yeah. just, like, he seems like a very good-natured, intelligent little little creature. And, like, the mm-hmm. way he sings this little song at the beginning, which is very mm-hmm. cute. He sounds, can I tell you, he sounds like an NPC from The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. I can see that. Yep. I would believe that if you took the sound clips and told me that was an NPC from Ocarina of Time, I'd be like, oh yeah, that sounds about right. 
But they're like you're right. I do very much like the character Gizmo. I think that the little puppet acts very well. He sounds nice. He sounds sweet. Yeah, like the, the I, animation on the puppet too is very like he feels mm-hmm. like a real little creature, which I really appreciate. It's very smooth. Let's talk. Okay, and you mentioned this, or we talked about this in the plot summary. Billy opens this movie owning a dog. Yeah, did not need to have a dog. The yeah, point of this movie like, is that oh, he man. gets a cute little pet. <laughs> yep. He already had a cute little pet. Infuriating. <laughs> It makes no sense. I mean, like, you see the other gremlins bullying the dog, and then the dog has to, like, leave for the movie. Yeah. Which, like, it, it shows to... So this this movie had a lot of rewrites, as I'm sure you can guess. Um, It was kind of like originally a spec script for Christopher Columbus to just... Or Chris Columbus? Is it Chris or Christopher Columbus? I think, I think Chris Columbus. Okay, for him to be like, hey, I can write a movie, here's a spec script. And then uh, Spielberg bought it. And so they were like, well, some of this stuff works, some of it doesn't. So initially, there was not supposed to be two creatures that, like, Gizmo and the dog were supposed to be the same creature. And Gizmo was actually supposed to turn evil instead Mm. of there being, like, one good mogwai and then the evil gremlins. And so they didn't do that. They kind of mashed things and turned them around so, like, the dog is still there. And Mm. then Gizmo doesn't die because he's like, people are not going to want to see this little thing get hurt. Like, they're going to want him to survive till the end of it. Hold on right there, because this movie has a bizarre fascination with hurting Gizmo. He gets bullied by the other gremlins. It's very sad. He's constantly getting hurt and falling and getting thrown into a dartboard. And I don't feel good about it. I don't, I don't like either, it. but I think that's supposed to make you, the viewer, want to protect him and be worried for him, I think. So it's supposed to endear you towards him and also show how bad the actual gremlins are. The thing that I don't get, though, is Gizmo is so, like, sweet and chill and, like, fine just, like, watching TV and whatever and not being a malicious little creature. Uh, but then mm-hmm. he spawns a bunch of them and all of them are malicious. Like, why are none of them nice like Gizmo? I don't get it. It's just because he's had, like, years of living with the chill old man, I guess. Mm. So he's kind of like learned more. And then these ones are just like, well, a fresh uh, Mogwai is like this. That's what they're like when they're little, when they're young, I guess. It hasn't yeah, learned I enough. Could, you're, you're right. This movie does not, and I don't know that it necessarily has a responsibility, but it does seem like these creatures are kind of Gizmo's children. Yeah, yeah. Like they and reproduce sort of asexually, feels- essentially. They, yeah, he has no problem, like, killing them later because yeah. he wants to save his human friends. But, like, I don't know. Why? I feel like any good movie, <laughs> like, your main characters need to, like, you need to know. This is something I do whenever I start a new pilot or movie script. Like, I'll take all the characters and write them along one axis and all the characters, like, along a horizontal axis and all the characters on a vertical axis. And then make a grid so I can say, like, this character feels this way about this character. And what is their dynamic? And if they were the only two characters in the movie, what would this movie be like? And you kind of want to do that. Like, Billy and the dad have a pretty good relationship. I know what their relationship is. Don't know what their the relationship is with the mom. And know what Billy's relationship is with Gizmo and what it is with Kate. Uh, but I have no idea how Gizmo and Spike feel. And they're kind of the, not so much the hero and antagonist. I mean, Spike is clearly the antagonist, but, like, Gizmo's kind of the hero. Gizmo's the closest character that goes through an arc and changes throughout the movie. And I have no idea what he thinks about Spike. Or I'm sorry, It's very strange. Yeah, Stripe. Yeah, because he starts bullying him like the instant he's born, essentially, which is weird. And then, yeah, like, they introduce these very hard and fast rules about the gremlins. And then that's it. Like, they don't expand on it past that, really. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like... 
you were the ones who gave us specifics, so now I'm thinking about it. And then, yeah, he's just, like, fine to kill the other gremlins and oh, whatever. <laughs> I mean, once they this become gremlins, needs- that's it. But, like, the Mogwai, he seems, like, worried about it. And I'm not sure if it's supposed to be a comment of, like, how the humans are treating him. Because the humans are not treating him with the responsibility he needs to be treated with based on, like, mm-hmm. what they know about him. To an extent, they're just, like... Don't make sure you don't feed after midnight, but they don't tell you what the consequences of doing that are. So they don't quite know the stakes they're dealing with. They're just like, just make sure you don't do that. And okay. And this brings up another thing that I really want to ask what you think about. The, uh-huh. It's a big deal. They're like the most important thing. Don't feed them after midnight. Mm-hmm. Roxy, what actually changes when they feed them after midnight besides them looking uglier? Well, I mean, they have a completely different... I guess they don't really. They have basically the same personality that they have before. They're just, They're just as just mischievous like, as yeah. cute little mogwais as they are when they turn into gremlins. Yeah. What's the problem? They have more agency to inflict the chaos, I guess, as gremlins. And they revel in it more, I suppose. They're able to because they're like bigger, more powerful creatures, I suppose, is probably why. I, I can like, see it. They're, they're more tone, <laughs> but they're still just like. It's a toned down version of how they actually are. It's not like they have a complete character change, you know? It's just like, oh, okay, yeah, the goofy one that was, uh, got, that was, um, I guess these ones don't have as much personality in that way. But, like, Spike, (laughs) who is bullying Gizmo as a Mogwai, is still bullying him, but even worse, as a gremlin. So it's like, it's one-to-one, basically, it's just he has more agency to be able to cause destruction now. (laughs) (laughs) It almost feels like... We either need to skip the step, like the water produces gremlins, who are evil, or water produces fun mogwais, who they love, who Gizmo loves, and who Gizmo feels protective of, and they're all just as sweet as Gizmo, but then once they eat after midnight, then they become evil. Like, And then we can see, like, oh, we broke the rules, and now we're dealing with this. When this fucking Mr. Wing comes at the end and is just like, you didn't take care of them, it's like... No, I guess not. But also, the third rule is not different than how they were. Like, once you break the second rule, the second rule is the one that you really don't want to break. You just don't want more of them. Yeah. Just Gizmo alone, totally fine. Yeah, Gizmo's the only good one, apparently. (laughs) Unbelievable. Never explained. So we've got this bizarre sequence. It's not that bizarre. It's very fun. The mom takes out almost all the gremlins right after they turn into gremlins. Yep, three of them, immediately. Like, without hesitation, like, one of them, so she sees the pods, like, steaming after they've escaped from them. And then one of them's, like, sitting on the counter eating a Christmas cookie. It hasn't really Mm -hmm. done anything yet. And she just immediately goes for it. (laughs) There's a shot where the mom finds and grabs and picks up a knife. And I was Mm -hmm. like... Is this movie communicating to us that this mother, like, it would be such a weird twist if the mom was also a serial killer? (laughs) Was just, like, ready to kill people in general and had been maybe, like, secretly killing people in town all along? I was ready for it. If they revealed it, I wouldn't be surprised. But there's kind of, like, a tonal shift where the movie feels very happy, family, classic kind of all-ages movie at the beginning, the way it starts (laughs) out. And then once the gremlins emerge from their pods, you get this kind of like horror sequence where the way it's shot and mm-hmm. like lit 
and everything and like the acting it's a little more like careful and suspenseful as well they, it's they like, start okay. doing dutch camera angles which i feel like i yes. haven't seen since the 1960s batman movie where it's tilted <laughs> slightly to tell us that scary things are afoot yeah so and and then she just goes for it commits violence she chooses violence immediately. <laughs> And then, like, they're they're also giving back, like, throwing things at her and trying to get her, too, uh, so that mm-hmm. it's fair game. Which, like, God, she puts one in the microwave and it just, like, explodes, just pops like a balloon. <laughs> I kind of feel like the gremlins have a case to be made that they are the heroes of this movie. <laughs> really? All they did was eat. Listen, they didn't choose to be born. They just That's they true. ate after midnight, which is fair. I do that most nights uh, when I'm sad. And then they are just, like, existing, and the mom starts chopping them up and throwing them in microwaves. They're just fighting back. Yeah, like, humans cause this problem. They wouldn't be here causing these problems if it wasn't for them. Which I guess is, like, kind of like the theme of the movie. Like, what would you say the theme is, Mikey? Do you think it's just Mr. Wing's speech at the end? Do you think they (sighs) nailed that? No. We haven't even gotten into the uh, the xenophobic neighbor who was yelling about gremlins and foreign parts and all that. I don't know yes. that. I, I feel like that comes into it, too, with, like, a lot of Chinese manufacturing and over-reliance on foreigners being a, a thing to be scared of. There is absolutely a, a thread of seemingly are foreigners the villain here? Because not only do we have this neighbor who's like, uh, we hate foreigners, the Mogwai are foreigners, right? They come from a, a Chinese man's shop. They come from not America. And the one good Mogwai, Gizmo, we actually get a shot where it's when he's in the police station, when Billy takes Gizmo to the police station, we get a shot of Gizmo wrapping himself in an American flag. So the one character we love and care about is made very clear he is an American. Maybe. So, okay, so he's like holding a flag, so, like, he's on the cop's desk, and the cop has, like, little miniature flags, and mm-hmm. uh, he's, like, waving it, but, like, the cop is- says, oh, yeah, look at him, he's a patriot, but then, like, his face is, like, what does that mean? <laughs> like, Gizmo's face is kind of, <laughs> like, almost taken aback, like, what? That's true. <laughs> uh, so, But, it, yes, I think that still stands, the, the symbolism there, or, like, the iconography there. It, it feels like that's not, like... The, I, I didn't necessarily know this movie was rewritten a bunch, but the moment you said that, I was like, of course it was. Because it almost feels like that was maybe a thread, that maybe we're so afraid of foreigners that we um, maybe didn't trust them about listening to the rules, we didn't respect a foreign culture, and therefore thought, like, who gives a shit if we, like, we've got to give him a bath, and then he spreads or whatever. Um, like, maybe there was a draft in there that was about xenophobia and its perils, and maybe there was a draft about ignoring nature and doing whatever we want because human beings have such hubris that the movie tried to tell us it was about, but I don't yeah, think we the, have a ton of evidence for. So before the dad leaves for the convention, um, the Mogwai spawned to be five of them. Like the water's dropped on Gizmo and there's five of them. And when the uh-huh. dad sees them, he's like, you know what? I think we got our new product. We got the Peltzer Pet. Every kid in yes. America is going to want one of these. Where he's like... He not only stole this little creature, which is like a resource, he's then going to exploit it for profit without any regard to its, like, personhood or any of the consequences mm-hmm. from this, even though he was warned that you need to be responsible with it. He's just like, mm-hmm. yeah, Peltzer Pet, let's turn it into a thing. Okay, well, I'm off to my uh, convention. <laughs> so it's like that thread there. You're like, what the fuck, dude? That's weird. Okay. <laughs> yeah, this movie, I, it had, like, four themes. 
And I don't know what they were, but yeah, I think like God so. This came em. out in '84. Mm-hmm. That was which famously is before they invented movies with themes. <laughs> well, it's more like uh, during the time period. There's a that's when a lot of like American factory type jobs were getting shipped over to China and stuff mm. like that. So that's like why their neighbor guy lost his job. And Kate says mm-hmm. it later. She's like, yeah, he's. He's just, like, angry like a lot of people in this town who, like, lost their job, you know, and they don't know mm-hmm. what to do. They're kind of aimless. So, I'm not sure, like, the movie seems to want us to sympathize with that being, like, a facet of things, but then also not necessarily say that's, like, the worst. That It's more like how the people use that resource that is bad, not necessarily mm-hmm. shipping it off itself. It's just how people decided to do that. At the expense of individuals, maybe. Maybe I'm stretching and giving it too much credit. I'm just trying to tie in, like, that thought process with then Mr. Wing and, like, the exploitation of, like, natural resources, too. Because it's like, you're not solely a victim. You're also, like, exploiting this thing, too. So it's like, what I'm not quite sure what they're trying to say. Because, yeah, it does feel like there's two themes going on here, possibly. Mm -hmm. Or just two ideas that are kind of incongruous, maybe. That's... That's kind of the thing like it feels like halfway through this movie they were just like well but let's just have a big long scene where the gremlins do a bunch of shit yeah that's fun god i guess i don't know i kind of i kind of can't fault them for it it's very fun um the gremlins at some point start wearing little costumes like yeah when they're in the bar i forgot that they were so also there's a bunch of them caroling in outfits too how do the gremlins understand the concept of christmas caroling or they were thing. born seconds ago. Roxy, <laughs> I have a hypothesis. I have a hypothesis okay. that the gremlins have some sort of future sight. Future sight? Can... Okay, not like shared knowledge kind of thing? or No, because okay. I, think, I think they can look forward into the future and not only see that human beings are going to be caroling tonight, so therefore they have, that's where they learn about the concept of caroling. They go to a movie theater and watch Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs and the very first time they watch it, they know the lyrics to Hi Ho. Well, I guess they're singing along with it. I suppose you would have to know it, though. You got to know the lyrics to sing along, so they can see just far enough into the future to know what the lyrics are, and therefore can sing along. It's like in karaoke, when they put up the lyrics, and it's slowly counting down, and then it's time to sing. That's how these fuckers are experiencing Hi Ho. Okay, I can see that. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I need to rewatch that scene too because I think they they don't know it's like a musical number at first. I feel like they kind of I guess there aren't really a ton of lyrics to Hi Ho, and they just kind of keep that's, repeating it. That's true, but uh, still, that doesn't change the fact that they still understand how like base like how do they know what flash dance is? Also, how do you know what right. flash dance is? How do you know what like a noir protagonist would be like? That vibe when that one is like sitting in the corner trying to be all broody, and then another one is like goofing on him, trying to be like, "Hey, you're trying to be all serious. I'm going to be goofy now." <laughs> Which I mean, the real this- answer is it's just for fun. It's just for the audience. Mm-hmm. It's not really like anything that would make sense in terms of like if we want to break it down and seriously be like, "Well, what about the lore?" It just seems like, "Hey, let's just come up with as many ideas as we can for a funny, goofy scene." But then you have us questioning it like this when you think too hard about it. Well, I don't know. I don't think it's fair to say that, like, or or rather, I don't think it was fair of the filmmakers to just be like, well, we're going to have a lot of fun. Like, you need to earn your fun. 
<laughs> and one way I thought they could have done that is like if Mr. Wing had been a major character throughout mm-hmm. and could have been there to say like the, the gremlins have the Robin Williams as the genie power, right? They are kind of aware of popular culture and they make mm. references to it. And it very much, I would argue, works in Aladdin because the genie is magic and he and that's sort of just like that tracks. If we have Mr. Wing yeah. there who's coming and saying like, they're from an alternate reality. There's magic that is involved in creating them. And we're, he's kind of like setting the stage for how this works. As the person who has got so much knowledge of the gremlins, I thought that would have been one way to solve it. So I forgot this tidbit because I did look into it a little to see like what's so- sort of some of the history and framing for when this movie came out. Were there any fun little facts? And one mm-hmm. thing was that there is a novelization of the first Gremlins movie, Mikey, oh. and it expands on it. And the movie decided to scrap this entirely. But I think in the mm-hmm. in the book, it says that the Mogwai were created on an alien world to make a creature. Mm. The aliens made them, basically, and then they came to Earth. Good. Um, yes. Which yes. they completely got rid of that. But um, <laughs> <laughs> I guess technically they still publish that book. So even if the movie didn't show it, I guess maybe that's what's supposed to be the deal i don't know Mm. but i think it was like they failed it was like a failed experiment whatever the hell they were trying to make they didn't mean to make this but they did and now they just threw it on earth or it Mm -hmm. arrived at earth somehow great great i'm on board with it i think that's fine (laughs) (laughs) whatever um the one last thing that i would like to talk about a little bit is the love interest in this movie kate Mm. played by phoebe cates Yep, who, Kate, played by Kate. Kate, Kate. is played by Kate. <laughs> she's got, she's kind of like a non-issue, like Billy asks her out. It's, it's, she's not even playing like Billy doesn't have to go through this experience to get up the courage to ask her out. He just asks her out. Yeah, like she out. already likes him by that point. It's more about mm. him just seizing the opportunity to realize that. Because it seems like he gets it too. He just hasn't actually asked her out yet until when they're mm-hmm. walking home that night. But he has, or rather Kate has the funniest out of nowhere, here's my origin story. It is not earned. It is <laughs> yeah, not it's really not. It's just like, let's grind the movie to a screeching halt. She said, like, the gremlins are attacking. She's like, great, another reason to hate Christmas. And he says, another reason? And that's when she launches into this long story about her father going missing, Roxy, for days. This yeah. father is missing for days. It's a horror story. He literally... He is- is discovered because of the smell of his decaying corpse. That's the only reason and, why they even knew to look there. Like, it's one thing to say, because first of all, human beings <laughs> don't actually crawl down chimneys. That's not how <laughs> chimneys function. The point is that Santa is magic. If you're going to dress up as Santa, just come in dressed as Santa. He breaks his neck and is missing for days. You're telling me nobody's checking? The, like, he didn't tell the mom he was going to do that. You're telling me you didn't hear anybody up in the chimney <laughs> crumbling and falling? It's like a Twilight Zone reveal. It's like the call, the call was coming from inside the house. Like there's some sort of like, oh, we had to live in this house for a week with my father's corpse looking for him out in the neighborhood. Do you want a little tidbit for this scene as well, Mikey? You, you know I do. I scenes? love a tidbit. Uh, so Spielberg and the studio and everybody hated this story, doing this story, uh-huh. but the director was like, no, I want to do it. I, that was in the original version when it was more horror themed. I want to keep it. Uh, mm-hmm. and Spielberg was like, well, 
you know, it's your movie. You do your thing. Okay, I'm not going to micromanage you that much if you feel really strongly about this. So he was just like, sure, you can keep it, I guess. But, like, nobody wanted it in there, <laughs> apparently. Um, so even can they you imagine? Knew. Can you imagine making a movie with Steven Spielberg? And he's like, maybe we should cut this. And you're like, no, I know better than you, guy who made E.T. and Jurassic Park. Like, no, trust his instincts on your freaking movie, dude. <laughs> Yeah, and there's something about him being good-natured enough to just be like, well, it's your vision, like, I'm helping you achieve your vision. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Where he's just like, okay, it's it's for you. I think also, like, he was uh, filming one of the Indiana Jones movies, so, like, he was helping, but he wasn't, like, over his <laughs> shoulder as much as well. He was well. busy. So, yeah, so he was like, well, I'm doing Indiana Jones, so, okay, sure. <laughs> keep keep mm. the awkward speech that uh, grinds the movie to a halt. And also, like, Billy's reaction to it is very funny, where it's kind of like a non-reaction. He's just like, <laughs> oh, man, that that's bad. Anyway, we need to leave now. <laughs> uh-huh. Because... Their mission is to stop gremlins. Yep. <laughs> like, they're, they're working on stopping gremlins. We take time out for the story, and he's like, okay, that doesn't change the fact that we have to stop gremlins. Yeah, actually, like, they, they notice everything is silent, because the silence after she gives her story, he's just like, well, I don't know how to deal with this or what to say about this, and it's so quiet. He's like, wait a minute. This awkward silence is allowed to happen because there's no <laughs> gremlins causing chaos outside. Okay, let's go find them. Jesus. Anything else you want to say about this movie, Roxy? Um, the little scene where Gizmo is driving a car is cute. Like, we were talking about how he kind of has an arc where it's like, even though it's not his responsibility, humans did this to him to make the gremlins mm -hmm. happen. Um, he, like, sees a movie about how, like, a guy drove a car to save a girl or something and was, like, a cool guy. And he's like, I want to save the day and be a cool guy. So he gets a little toy car and drives around and then that's when he, like opens the skylight to be the mm -hmm. one to get Stripe. And I like that Gizmo is the one who took out Stripe, even though you'd think Billy would need to do it. Billy just kind of like <laughs> right. falls around the department store and is not really effective. Ugh, <laughs> he, good on him. He does fight off a chainsaw. That chainsaw part is very funny when Stripe has a chainsaw coming after him. And then he knocks yes. him off kilter and he gets dragged around on the floor by the chainsaw. Not how chainsaws work. Um, specifically... Billy blocks the chainsaw with a baseball bat. And it's like a wood like, baseball bat. It's a wood. wooden baseball bat. That the thing that gets chainsaws are designed to cut through chainsaws. <laughs> <laughs> it's the natural enemy. <laughs> natural enemy movie, of a wooden baseball bat is a chainsaw. <laughs> <laughs> it's very like rock, paper, scissors. Like chainsaw beats baseball bat. Yeah, every time. <laughs> Oh, I guess the theme song. So we, we played the theme song during the summary. Uh, the, mm -hmm. the music in this movie is real fun. Uh, the Gremlins theme song, very memorable. Catchy. Uh, very catchy. Gonna be stuck in your head. Gizmo's little song that he like sings as well is very cute. <laughs> Just very, very fun all around, I guess. Is there anything else you want to talk about, Mikey? Mm -mm. All right. So how about then we give Gremlins a rating? Using our uh, severed thumbs rating system. Mm -hmm. So, Mikey, out of five severed thumbs, what did you give uh, Gremlins? I'm giving it one and a half thumbs. Oh, okay. It's pretty pretty low. I need, I need my movie to hang together better than this movie does. The concept is fun, but it's not explored super 
well or interestingly or in a way that like relates to my life. It did feel like by the end of this movie, I was like, oh, this was an excuse to do that. Really, that one bar scene with Kate was the like the most creatively inspired part of this movie where all the gremlins are trying out little costumes and <laughs> one of them is a flasher who flashes her even though he doesn't seem I to have genitalia. That one, yeah. Uh, and that's when they're having the most fun and that feels like the point of the movie. And it was fun. It's one and a half thumbs worth of fun. So I can't give it any higher than that. It's not a story. <laughs> it's like just barely a story. <laughs> what What rating do you give it? Uh, I gave it a little bit higher. I gave it 2.5 thumbs. <clears throat> I think right. just because of, like, my enjoyment of this movie. I had a lot of fun re-watching it. I, I watched it so long ago that I forgot a lot of stuff about it anyway. So it felt pretty fresh when I was watching it. There aren't a lot of, like, holiday horror movies that I can stand. But this is one where I'm like, mm. I would be fine watching this as part of the roster of holiday movies that I watch. Every mm-hmm. Christmas time, like, this was fun. Gizmo does have that kind of, like, ugly but cute sort of thing. So he's, like, very endearing. He's a cute little guy. Um, <laughs> the music is catchy. It's also just, like, the time period. It's an 80s movie produced by Spielberg. It's got that kind of, like, nostalgic vibe that I think That's I'm true. always going to be looking for and be able to appreciate, even if there's mm-hmm. plenty of other things wrong with it. <laughs> so a lot of it, I think, is due to just my, my enjoyment of it. I gave it a 2.5. I, I think it's fun. Hey, that's totally fair. You're so, exactly Mikey, right. do you have a question for me? I do. Roxy, this movie is very cartoony. This is a cartoon sure movie. Is. Uh-huh. is there anything that ever happened in your life? Obviously, you and I aren't having pianos dropped on our head and having our teeth turn into keys. But, like, mm-hmm. what's something Looney Tunes cartoonish that has happened to you that made you think, like, no way is my life real? Um. So, I had an incredibly lousy day. Uh, let me take you through it. Okay. I slept poorly, didn't get enough sleep, woke up late. I was up late trying to hit a deadline, didn't hit it. Felt like mm. shit. My computer, one of the reasons why I didn't hit the deadline was because my computer was acting up. So I had to go take it to get repaired. While I was mm-hmm. doing that, I was like, oh, there's something wrong with my car. Like I had to do an oil change or something. So it wasn't like super bad, but it was just like, great. I got this other thing I got to do. F- fuck that. Mm-hmm. And Student loans took money out of my account that day, too. So I was like, great, cool. Now I've got even less money to do these repairs and things that I need to do. Awesome. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, I'm going to do one nice thing for myself. I'm just going to go to, like, Starbucks, get some caffeine and get a sandwich and try and and somehow salvage this horrible day. Mm -hmm. So I did it, got out of my car, and then the bag on the Starbucks sandwich malfunctioned and it fell into the dirt and I couldn't oh, eat my no. Starbucks sandwich. <laughs> and I was just like, this is just like a Looney Tunes, like, end of a bit moment that would happen. Wah, like, wah. you were writing this as a comedy sketch. It's like all these terrible things. And then you're fucking sandwich too. Great. Yeah. You got a dirt sandwich now. Enjoy your dirt sandwich. And yeah, my dirt sandwich. Like, it's like kicked into the trash. <laughs> Says God. That's what God says. <laughs> so a comically Looney Tunes bad day that like feels like you had to write it to be that bad. Like, how does that many bad things happen to you in one day? Um, mm-hmm. So that was my Looney Tunes moment. What about you, Mikey? Mine was, uh, it was when I was in college. And in high school, me and a friend of mine had both dated the same girl. Not at the same time, but like he dated okay, her and then say, they broke up. <laughs> was she um, doing a... 
running a grift on you guys where you didn't know? What? No, when when he started dating her, I turned into a wolf and went, Hoo! No, how, how, okay. How, 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 how. No, that's <laughs> not the Looney Tunes moment. Uh, he dated her, they broke up, and then I dated her, and then her and I broke up. And then we a couple years later, me and this friend were at like a parade, <laughs> a little, little suburban town we lived in, Maple Grove, Minnesota. They did like uh, Maple Grove days or whatever. And so there was okay. like this parade, so everybody was out, and me and this friend were walking through, and we were talking about this girl, but because we both knew who we were talking about, you don't actually say other people's names a lot. So we were just like, oh, I remember when she did this. I remember her favorite thing was this. We were talking about her. And mm-hmm. for whatever reason, we were about to say her name. We were going to say like, oh, yeah, I remember Jessica's thing. But like what the sentence was, was I remember. And then we were cut off by another voice. Hey, Mikey. And it was this girl's mom. Oh, my God. This girl's mom was here and was about to hear us say her daughter's name <laughs> and find out that we had been talking about her out of the blue. And we were both like, what are the odds? We've never run into this mom before. We maybe had interacted with the mom twice. Uh, what are the odds that she would be there and would stop us mere seconds before we revealed that we were all weirdly talking about her daughter at that time? <laughs> Bizarre. And I went, and then my eyes went, it was pretty loony doonesy. Did you do that thing where you uh, comically ran away and your feet turned into like circles spinning around? And no, but when I saw this mom, um, my, I did turn into a wolf and go, oh, okay, so it's hot mom. Okay. <laughs> yeah, she's a hot mom. <laughs> so, Mikey, last week you and me made a bet about gremlins. <clears throat> it was the timestamp of the first gremlins transformation. What did we think it was going to be? Right. So Mike, you said, said 25 minutes in. And I said 23 minutes in. Yeah, we were very close, but it was basically an over-under, which is fine. Roxy, the gremlins come into this movie pretty late. Yeah. Uh, I didn't find the exact timestamp, but it's about 46, 47 minutes in. Damn, it's like halfway through. Okay, well, you win it's this be- week then, late. Mikey. I- do I win this week? That means the scores right now are Roxy with 34, Mikey with 28, Ty with four. Nice. All right. I'm still winning, but we're not really tallying it anymore, so it doesn't really matter. I already won a little no, bunch of hands. It matters <laughs> but to you me. win this week, Mikey. Congrats. Thanks, dude. Hey, is that the demon bot skulking over with presents in his arm? He was talking about giving us presents earlier. I thought he was just kind of like, I don't know, speaking generally, metaphorically. I didn't think there'd actually be physical things in his hands. Okay. Mikey and Roxy, of course I was speaking literally about having more presents for you. I am both a demon and a robot and a butler, so I am prone to being literal. Here, take these presents I have gotten for you. Oh my god, Mikey, this is so so thoughtful. Demonbot, thank you so much. You know... I feel like we've grown over the time that we've spent time down here with Mm. you. I feel like our relationships change. You don't even have to put a guardsman in the basement anymore. You know, you trust us that much. So I feel like this is another step up. Don't you, Mikey? Mm -hmm. I absolutely do. And I just feel like in years past, I would have been so worried because to be clear, Demon Bot, we did not get you gifts. And not this year. I would have been afraid that 
you would have taken our souls if you got us gifts and we didn't. And I don't feel that way anymore. So in a way, that's our gift to you is this newfound trust that we have for you. That. That is not a gift. That is an excuse because you were too cheap to buy me anything. But that doesn't matter. The joy is in the giving, so please open your presents. Okay, Mike, okay, do you want to go I'm first? Gonna, I'm going to go first. Yes, here okay, I go. Okay, yeah, yeah. Let's see. I'm excited. Oh, Roxy. This is a VHS copy of Gremlins 2. Oh. Ooh, thank you. We loved Gremlins 1. That's pretty timely. That is nice of you. Yeah. I hear the sequel's now, supposed to be pretty nuts, too, so hey, that's great. Well, this is great. I, I'm i looking forward to watching this movie. Maybe I'll, you know, after I leave the scary basement this week, I'll go home and watch it at my leisure. Thank you so much, Demon Bot. You're welcome, Mikey. Now, Roxy, open your gift if you'd please. Okay. Uh, sure. Oh, uh, there's a... Okay, it was a box, but now there's a note card in here. Okay. It's just an empty box with a single note card in it. Yeah, I mean, I feel pretty lightweight, but okay, this this must be something cool, right? Something unique? I, I'm excited. Oh, Mikey, um, this isn't really a gift. Uh, this is a task. It says, <clears throat> Mikey and Roxy, you now have to review the movie Gremlins 2. Merry Christmas. Ha 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 ha. He actually wrote ha 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 ha. All right, so Demon Bot's giving us extra work for Christmas. Ah, you uh, rascal. Okay, well, Mikey, this enables us to give our listeners a double dose of Gremlin. We get to give them a Christmas present by default, I guess, by doing this twice. I like that. Uh, Roxy, what do you say we go into the scary basement theater, the small room with a, a VHS player? <laughs> Yeah, just make TV. sure you don't use the cursed one, because that might make the gremlins, like, pop off the screen and become more real, and we've got enough gremlins running around down here, and I'm assuming this one yeah. is going to have a lot more gremlins, because it's gremlins too. The sequel has to be more bombastic, right? You'd hope. Uh, all right, let's go inside here. Well, Roxy, uh, we just watched Gremlins 2. Oh my god, that was a movie. <laughs> Mikey, what the fuck? <laughs> we have to review this now? How are we going to talk about this? It's not even a horror movie. <sighs> Let's do it. Let's just blow through it. For anybody listening up at the scary basement door, it's time for another plot summary. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready. This is, okay, I'm actually pretty stoked. <sighs> this movie was insanely enjoyable, but also what the what? We open Gremlins 2 in the shop of Mr. Wing, the owner of the Mogwai Gizmo. The henchman of a man named Mr. Clamp bring in a TV to play a video message, wherein this Mr. Clamp asks Wing to sell his business to Clamp Industries so he can build a skyscraper over the portion of Chinatown his shop occupies. Mr. Wing declines, but the henchman realizes that this man's coffin, he is not long for this world. And they're right. Mr. Wing dies off screen within six weeks. And as the cranes begin to decimate the building, Gizmo escapes, making his way in broad sunlight out into New York City. He's then captured by a scientist working for researcher Christopher Lee. Meanwhile, our old friend Billy is out and about in New York City with Kate. They'd be married by now if only Billy could land the big promotion. See, Billy and Kate both work now at Clamp Tower, where Billy is an architect and Kate runs a tour. 
When Billy overhears a delivery man singing Gizmo's famous song, he tracks down the little mogwai to Christopher Lee's science lab that is renting a space in Clamp Towers. Wouldn't you know it, this is the day Mr. Clamp himself decides to grace the architecture floor with his presence. Clamp finds himself impressed by Billy's work, which leads Billy's boss Maria to begin putting the moves on Billy so as to hitch herself to his wagon, career-wise. Jealous Kate watches Billy and Maria leave the building together while Billy is forced to leave Gizmo in a desk drawer. Of course, a bad water fountain repairman gets Gizmo wet, so he begins spouting out clones once again, including a new and improved version of Stripe. These new little uh, mogwai lock Gizmo in the air ducts and begin causing havoc around the office, eventually breaking into the building's cafeteria and eating after midnight. That's not how the rules tell you to eat. Next, the newly hatched gremlins start a fire on a microwave cooking show? <laughs> so the sprinklers will go off, making them into a small gremlin army. Then these little bastards break back into Christopher Lee's lab and drink a bunch of different serums, becoming many different types of gremlins. Including a brainy gremlin who can talk, an all-electricity gremlin, a bat gremlin that can withstand sunlight, a spider gremlin... And a sexy lady gremlin, uh, who is all about that henchman from the beginning. Billy and Mr. Clamp are attacked by the electricity gremlin, but they hold out a phone and trap this gremlin in the phone's hold system. Great plan, fellas. Very logical. Then, if you can believe it, the film reel burns out. We discover that gremlins are in our world, messing with our film. A theater usher taps the shoulder of... Hulk Hogan, who is there, and threatens the gremlins that if they don't play the movie, he's going to get them. The gremlins relent, and the Hulkster promises a little interruption like that won't happen again. Then the Futtermans from the first Gremlins movie, who are in New York now, are attacked by the Bat Gremlin, who is also immune to the sun from another potion. The Futtermans trick this gremlin into flying into some wet cement, and then it perches on a cathedral before hardening into a gargoyle. Also, I want to say, I thought the Futtermans were killed in the first movie. Yes. But but apparently they're alive. So I guess the only, we get two on-screen deaths in the first Gremlins movie, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty low kill count now in retrospect. Um, mm -hmm. Anyway, back in the office building, Billy, Kate, and Mr. Futterman lure the Gremlins into the lobby while Mr. Clamp sets up a big painting of night outside, hoping to trick the Gremlins into thinking the day is over and they can head out into the city unharmed. The plan doesn't work at all when a storm rolls in, blocking out the sun, so Billy improvises, getting the gremlins all wet, then he releases the electricity gremlin from the hold system, zapping them all to death. Mr. Clamp is so happy with Billy, he promotes him and Kate, and they take Gizmo home. And then the sexy lady gremlin fucks that henchman, who we find out is very into it. Also, this whole time, a man dressed as a vampire is narrating the events on TV like a journalist. The end. Roxy, what a Gremlins 2. <laughs> I'm so glad we watched this movie because we watched the first Gremlins movie and I was like, this is pretty cartoony. But I've always heard that Gremlins 2 was even more cartoony, but like, it can't be more cartoony than this movie, could it? Is a real and life Looney Tunes movie. Even starts with a Looney Tunes <clears throat> cartoon bit. Um, yes. To let you know what you're getting into. Well, and, and this is something that I noticed insane. they did in the. I noticed they did this in the first movie too. Like, 
Um, in Gremlins 1, Mrs. Deagle is very clearly a Mr. Potter stand-in from It's a Wonderful Life. And then mm-hmm. at one point in the movie, they are watching It's a Wonderful Life in Gremlins uh-huh. 1. There's this almost like this act of citing your sources that the Gremlins movies are doing. Like They're like, we're going to do a Looney Tunes movie, and therefore we must show Looney Tunes to show that we know we are doing a Looney Tunes bit. We're not just ripping them off. We're paying homage. And I don't mind it. Like there oh yeah, no, it's like it's fun. its own flavor of it. Um, and they do yeah. like several fourth wall breaky things. Like, so the the tower that this all takes place in, the guy who runs it, this like millionaire or whatever entrepreneur dude, he just like controls everything that could be a business because there's like mm-hmm. that genetics department, and uh-huh. then there's all the TV stations. So there's like a bunch of cable TV channels. Mm-hmm. Including that microwave show, and then the horror host show, the archery channel. (laughs) They have an archery channel. Yeah, and so, like, one of them also is a movie reviewer guy who is, like, a real-life movie reviewer. I can't remember his name right now, but he's reviewing Uh, the film Gremlins 1, and then... The the reviewer is Leonard Malton. Is Leonard Malton, okay. Yeah, and then the Gremlins come and they take him out uh, as he's reviewing Gremlins 1 with a VHS (laughs) So this is our first instance in this movie where they say the movie Gremlins, Gremlins 1, exists in the universe of Gremlins. Yeah, yeah. Which is insane. Which is an insane thing. Uh Uh-huh. It's just like a gag, but then again, the minute you think about it, it's like, wait a minute. Is it documentary then? In this world? The next moment that uh, does this, we talked about Hulk Hogan's appearance. The Gremlins seemingly function in our world so the movie tries to trick you into thinking the film is breaking up and the gremlins have gotten into our world and are messing with our movie theater and hulk hogan just happens to be here in the audience watching the movie and he's a tough threatening dude so he threatens the gremlins and the gremlins are like okay we'll just play the movie gremlins 2 again yeah and then they even change uh, that for the VHS release where it's a different like interruption mm-hmm. of the broadcast of your VHS tape. So like they try to do yes. they try to keep that consistent to have fourth wall breaky things happen. They <laughs> no should update it for streaming. They should have your internet go out and then the gremlins have like chewed through your cable modem. Oh my god. <laughs> if okay. only. And then Ted Lasso is like, ah, oh, you crazy gremlins. Ah, oh, you guys are trying your best. I love you. <laughs> but it's there are just these couple little moments that make me think they were just like, fuck it. Did, like, do you think the creator, or because uh, it's a lot of the same cast returning, it's a lot of the same production company, it's the same director. Yeah. Did they hate Gremlins 1? No, it's just that they did get reamed for a lot of things. Like, they bring up stuff, like, a lot of people ribbed on them for the rules to be like, this doesn't make sense. Like, there's a part where there's a bunch of security guards when uh, Billy's trying to tell them, like, the gremlins are real, Mm -hmm. they're gonna come and kill people. And then one of them does eventually, uh, literally jump out of the circuitry and bite one of them. Um, But this whole time, they're, like, roasting it to be like, oh, well, what if the gremlin is eating something and something gets stuck in his teeth? So then he eats that little bit of food after midnight. Then does he mm-hmm. transform? So they were doing like a bunch of these little like nitpicky things to be like, yeah, people were thinking too hard about it. It's just gremlins because then it just pops out and like bites a guy. <laughs> and they're like, oh, it's real. Okay. That so I think it's more like, like they're like, it's the just, just have fun with it. Who cares? Like right. we got a budget to do whatever the fuck we wanted and we just did every crazy thing we could think of. Uh, here you go. Gremlins That too. moment definitely felt to me like them saying like, you guys thought about this too hard. 
The moment yeah. that made me think they hate Gremlins 1, and maybe not they hate Gremlins 1, but at least the director copping to the fact that this was a bad idea, was they make fun of Phoebe Cates' bizarre little Christmas story in Gremlins 2 yeah. when she says, don't reference Abraham Lincoln. I had a horrible President's Day. My family. And she starts telling them, they're like, shut up, this is stupid. Yeah, like, we need to go. That's like them acknowledging <laughs> that was an insane moment from the last movie, and then that kind of just becomes her character's game. Very funny. Yeah, I think the director has said that I don't understand why Gremlins 1 was successful. Like, he obviously had fun <laughs> making it, and it was a passion project, but he was like, I can't believe it did as well as it did. Yeah. And he he objectively loves the second movie better. He's like, yeah, I think the second movie is, like, way better than the first one that we did. Well, uh, that's what's kind of cool about it was not nearly as, It was not as commercially successful, because one thing is that it came out, like, six years after Gremlins 1, so, like, the heat had died down a little bit. So people weren't as hyped for a sequel as they might have been had they done it sooner. And then the way they chose to release it, it was like competing with a bunch of other movies. Like, I think it was, was it? It was Dick Tracy. Like Dick Tracy, they were competing with Dick Tracy, which was a huge thing for the time and a couple of other Mm -hmm. movies, I think. Uh, So it was kind of commercially a flop, even though it has gained like a cult following and people love this movie. Uh, when it released, it did not get the kind of fanfare. It sort of tanked the director's career a bit. Nope. Like, he never really <laughs> saw any success at the same level of Gremlins 1, basically. That makes uh, sense, because it's an objectively worse and stupider movie. But what's funny about it is, like, watching these movies back-to-back, like like I said, I was like, the first one feels like it's got these elements of cartoonish. Mm-hmm. And you can tell, like, when they double down on it, like, if they were like, the mistake was we were too silly and we didn't have enough horror and uh, jump scares in it. Like, if the second movie came out and had a bunch of jump scares, yeah, then we the can tell horror. what they... But it was clear that what they liked about it was the silliness. And so when you get this second chance to make another movie in the same franchise, like... The joy that they found from this movie was in making it the silliest, stupidest bit of garbage they could make. Like, they wanted to make a live-action movie. And it's like, it it almost, like, reframes the first movie. It's like, what are the bugs and what are the features? What are the parts of this movie that we think are good? And we were kind of like, this speech is very weird. Uh, Why do the gremlins have little costumes? Like, all of these things are weird. And this second movie is them telling us, like, those were the, that was what it was. That scene in the bar where Kate is just, like, struggling against the gremlins, they're like, we wanted to make a whole movie like that, and they did! And it was fun! It was so fun! It's so much fun, and, like, the production value is very high. Like, it it doesn't feel cheap, even though, like, so many of the sets with the, uh, like, high-tech tower, it's like that kind of technology doesn't exist that way and couldn't exist that (laughs) way. Uh, So it can look, like, a little fakey, but at the same time, like, the amount of attention to detail and production value put into the puppets for Gremlins is, like, insane. The one mm-hmm. that gets the uh, brain juice potion and just, like, spontaneously gets glasses because that uh-huh. happens and just starts speaking with, like, a fakey British accent that's, like, very bad but also very, like, eloquent kind of. Mm-hmm. Like, the articulation on that puppet is really impressive. It looks very good and very mm-hmm. ridiculous. It's, this is them like fully committing to an idea, and I, I like, I appreciate it. Um, they even get a musical number, like they just sing "Hi Ho" in the movie theater, uh-huh. and it's like, oh, the Gremlins like to sing musical stuff. Okay, we'll give them a musical number. They get that. Uh-huh. <laughs> and our bizarre vampire host, 
who that was the weirdest part to me. Like they do a little <laughs> bit of justifying that he has like a horror show, but then they just like stuck him in the movie and he kept his vampire makeup on. He's just like, it seems as though they're doing a musical yeah, he just number. never took it off. Yeah. Like he wanted I, to be I, a legit journalist, but instead became a horror host. And then he's also like bad as a horror host. Like he's not very good as a horror right. host. He's anyway. not good at anything. And at the end he gets promoted to being a TV news anchor. Yeah, so that's another thing. With, like, the business mogul guy, I was so prepared for him to be a total asshole because he is supposed to be sort of like, like, Trump was rising to prominence where people were more aware of him at this time period. And so He's absolutely a Donald Trump stand-in. Yeah, so, like, he was supposed to be written to be more shitty, but then the actor had such, like, a pleasant kind of, like, innocent boyish approach to this character and, like, they've got enough villains already. Like, they don't need a human villain. They've got all mm-hmm. of the gremlins. And then, like, his henchman is just, like, kind of a shitty undermining guy. So he kind of fills that role. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they were like, he doesn't have to be a villain. The actor's doing, like, a very likable job as this character. I guess we'll just make mm-hmm. him not so shitty. So it's, he's, like, this weird sort of benevolent millionaire dude mm-hmm. who, like, didn't realize how out of touch with people he got. So, like, at the end, mm-hmm. he's like, you know what? Back to American family values. That's what people want. Let's build a small town. You're in charge of it now, (laughs) nice guy who helped people. Because I'm a nice guy who wants to help people and be known for helping people. It's it's so bizarre because, like, the image of Donald Trump has been so cemented by his presidency and what he is today. I think that was kind of Trump's vibe in the 80s. Like, I don't think it was, though. Like, he he was supposed to be, like, more cutthroat and shitty i guess like his business practice was his business practices were known to be like failures back then too they just weren't reported on as much i guess so maybe but, that but was, he was kind still, of like the well the, like he was loved enough to be in home alone too like he was making appearances on talk shows and being kind of like hmm. this general like affluent laughy chummy playboy type okay that, uh, it's as so opposed hard to, to this, like, like divorce that image like i would have to look back at actual footage from the time i feel like i've just been so shell-shocked by it yeah, I but mean, that was very much about like that, but yeah. his vibe. He was just like kind of this kooky, like funny little guy. And now like, I, I would argue like this character that John Glover plays, he actually plays um, Lionel Luther in Smallville. So that was my That's right, uh, he does. Oh my yeah. God, I was like, where do I know this guy? I know him yes. from somewhere. I've seen him a lot. And it's like, yeah, okay, it's Smallville. That was it. That makes so much sense he, now that you said that. He has like a very interesting character. He's like, kind of aloof like he's a businessman that we don't see in a lot of movies he's aloof. He's like airheaded a bit like yes. he doesn't feel ill-intentioned yet exactly. he's at the top of this pyramid where everyone under him and the whole structure of the company is super like shitty and like squelches individuality and like mm-hmm. any sort of enjoyment or fun anything beyond making profits it seems like it's only concerned with making profits uh he's almost this like this the, like top is like what <laughs> he's like this this boy king almost yes, where like yes, he, yes, yes. he, he does like want to help to people and <laughs> yeah. he wants them to feel good and like everybody he interacts with he's like that's a great thing you did like i like you and then yeah. he just has these subtle little moments where he's like oh i'm worried about lawsuits but they never come off evil they come off just like i don't know bumbling like he just doesn't understand the way human beings actually think and feel it's yeah. very endearing and like billy even says like you know if you pull this off, you could save the city. And he's like, oh, gets stars in his eyes. And yeah. Like, I could save the city. And then he's like, Mr. Clamp, save city. 
I love it. And then goes and tries to do that. Like, tries his hardest to do that. Like, goes yeah. along with Billy's plan. He's like, yeah, Billy, you got a cool plan. Sure, let's do it. And <laughs> kind of does. <laughs> <laughs> I think that, like, the core of this movie... And again, I was watching this movie thinking, like, no way is this going to be more cartoony than the first one. And with the if you slice out the film reviewer who is reviewing Gremlins 1 and the Hulk Hogan bit... I would argue this movie is exactly as cartoony as the last one. And because they took the time, they almost made up, it's almost a more grounded step to justify, even though it's silly madcap cartoon science, that the gremlins also got into all these serums and were behaving in a different way. I would argue this movie has the exact same tone, minus those two big fourth wall breaking moments. What do you think? Uh, I would disagree, because there is not, even really a smidge of horror to this movie whatsoever. The first movie had some tonal mm, attempts that's true. at horror. This one didn't even try that at all. I guess, okay, that's that's fair. I would say less less that it has the exact same tone, but like in terms of how real the characters are and how, how real everything is feeling and behaving. I think it's just because the way it's similar. written, it's playing within its own rules, like very solidly, even though we were like, well, what about that thing? What about that thing? It all feels <laughs> like pretty congruent to be like, oh yeah, I believe that that could happen with how crazy things feel. Like <laughs> the way they heighten things is crazy if you take it out of context, but when you watch it as the movie goes into it, it's like, yeah, no, that tracks. Yeah, no, there's, like, just a vegetable <laughs> gremlin now, and one of the gremlins picked an olive off of his head to put it in his martini and then drink it. Sure. That, that yeah. tracks. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they're singing New York, New York? Sure. Um, there's mm-hmm. a lady gremlin that's really into... There's a lady gremlin now, which, by the way, it was like, they're all asexual, aren't they? They just reproduce asexually. They sometimes use the term he, but mm. I feel like that's just because in the English language, it kind of defaults to he, just for, yeah. like, a... If if you don't have any, what, what, what how do you describe this? Well, it's because that's the gender of God. Yeah, uh, I guess <laughs> that's how English works. <laughs> uh, so they don't really refer to them as like they when it seems like they don't have any sort of gender. But then one of them mm-hmm. drinks a potion that seems to be a sex change potion, and then mm-hmm. becomes like a sexy lady gremlin with boobs. Because I guess that's what yes. gremlins would think is uh sexy, even though they're these weird little goblins. Would they even care about like <laughs> human type proportions or boobs? No. But, Which, uh, even that is a very big, like, Looney Tunes reference. Bugs Bunny yeah. has this long history of dressing up like a sexy, sexy lady yeah. and making out with Elmer Fudd before whipping off his wig and being like, surprise, bitch. And then Elmer Fudd tries to shoot him again. Uh, but this time they have the guy be into it. And it's very funny. And apparently that was sort of improv for one of his takes. Because he was like, well, let's do a couple of takes of me reacting to this thing. And one of uh-huh. them was that he was into it. And they saw it and they were like, we got to keep that. He's got to be, that's funny. That's the end of our movie. Because like that is the follow-up scene. Like we have the end scene where everything wraps up. Billy gets the promotion. The boss who was like hitting on Billy in the beginning seems to be vibing with our boy king uh, business mogul guy. Mm -hmm. And then they're just like, oh, the henchman calls business mogul guy and is like, can you like help me? I'm trapped in here. And he's like, oh, the elevators aren't working. It'll take us uh, a couple of days to get to you. Just hold out. We'll get to you. And then you Uh cut to where he is. And he's like trapped in a room with the lady gremlin who is wearing a wedding dress and approaching him with kissy lips. Yes. And also has a bunch of kiss marks all over his face. So they, they were getting into it. And he's like, well, 
This is my life now. I'm into it. Uh-huh. Cool. I discovered I, a new kink, I guess. And that is the end of the movie. That's the last thing you see. As I was watching it, I was like, it would be so much funnier if he was into it. And then it's it was almost as I was thinking that, that his little yeah. eyebrow raised. And it is said, definitely Ooh. the way to go in the end of that. I like it's the It's the perfect ending to that movie. Yeah. <laughs> but also now there's still a gremlin running around. Um, but she uh-huh. seems fine, I guess. She's chill with her henchman husband or whatever <laughs> i love it I, lo- I i think this movie is so much fun they're having a great time um we would be remiss if we didn't bring up the key and peel sketch yes oh my god they find somehow a way to talk about this very specific movie in a way that is funny on its own but it was so much funnier watching it after having just watched this movie where yeah. uh like you can watch it out of context and not have seen this movie <laughs> and you still uh, get it Jordan Peele plays a character who is in charge of helping sequels. <laughs> yeah, was he like I'm the part I'm the sequel party massager or something like that? Like yes, make sequels he, more fun. I can't. And he just goes through and he asks everybody to invent their own gremlin and the way that these people just like uh I don't know, spider gremlin and it's just like this is probably how it happened. And they take the time to go. And he say, like elaborates and, too. He's like, "Okay, yeah, I like it." Spider Gremlin. He ties up some like sexy mm-hmm. ladies in the hallway of a building. Yeah, that works. <laughs> Which honestly is exactly how you want brainstorming to work when you're in a writer's room. You want mm-hmm. somebody who say who says the most insane garbage, and then somebody else like, "Yes, this is how this functions in the movie." Yeah, you're telling uh-huh. me they drink a spider potion and they become a spider and they trap a lady in a web. <laughs> an incredible sketch an incredible movie what an incredible time roxy that was so much fun i about- guess it really was a present after all from demon bot it seemed like a chore at first but uh it's a <laughs> present from a demon bot to us and from us to uh everybody listening right now <sighs> i hope you will also go see gremlins 2 <laughs> 1 and 2 back to back maybe even like we did uh and have a wonderful christmas time if Roxy, you if you were going to give Gremlins 2 a rating out of five thumbs, what would you give it? Oh, my God. I mean... I'll go first while you think about it. Yeah, it's a... <laughs> uh, I think I have to just vote with, like, how much I enjoyed this movie. Like, I was clipping parts of it to, like, post on Twitter. I was texting mm-hmm. you, Mikey, to be like, this is the most insane thing. Like, it's real-life Looney Tunes. What the fuck? And it was actually very bizarre of you to be texting me because we did watch it together in the scary basement just four minutes ago. Yeah, I, had I agree. To tell I agree. You, you were because I didn't want to interrupt your experience watching the movie by telling you. I had to text it to you so you could look at it at your leisure to be like, "Isn't this an insane Looney Tunes movie, Mikey? Can you believe this?" You are so thoughtful, <laughs> Roxy Poke. <laughs> You're right. You're going to give it uh, a score based on how much you liked it. Yeah, so I think I gotta give it, like, a three. I gotta give it at least a three out of five, because it needs to be higher. I gave a 2.5 to Gremlins 1 out of enjoyment. This is a three for enjoyment's Mm -hmm. sake. Because there's just, like, so many zany things that happen that, you know what, maybe I should give it a higher score. You know what, I'm gonna give it a four. I'm talking about how much I enjoyed this movie. Who fucking cares? I'm giving it a four. Merry Christmas, Gremlins Mm -hmm. 2. You get a four out of five, because you were very fun. (laughs) I had a great time watching you. I had a great time talking about it with Mikey. I had a great time screaming about it on the internet. A bunch of other (laughs) people were like, oh man, just wait, it gets crazier. Or like, here's my story about how I watch Gremlins 2 a million times. (laughs) Or like, you have so many people like chiming in to be like, I love this movie. Uh, So it's it's just generally a very fun time for me. What do you think, Mikey? What did did you give it? 
I gave it, I gave Gremlins 1, 1. 1.5 thumbs. I'm giving Gremlins 2 exactly two thumbs. Okay. But they're very, they're very long thumbs. They're stretched okay. out. Because the things in this movie that I loved, I loved more than anything I've ever seen in a movie. Including <laughs> Brainy Gremlin and uh, the guy who was excited to fuck Lady Gremlin. <laughs> But the things I hated in this movie, I've never hated anything more in a movie. Really? As much okay, as I like love, what? As much as I love pro wrestling, the Hulk Hogan scene made me actively angry because it was oh. so unjustified and it was so, like, breaking the reality of the movie. Same with the Leonard Mountain stuff. Like, I hated those parts of the movie. Yeah. I hated. I don't really I like absolutely hated in general. Yeah. The um the solution was to use the electricity gremlin and pull him out of the phone because that's just like a flimsy way to defeat the electricity gremlin. And then it for also that to be made your them all fig- melt. Like I could understand be- <laughs> yeah. them being like electrified and dying, but it made them melt into goop so there wouldn't be proof again. Right. That the gremlins existed, I guess. They just turned into goop. And then you can have one that's going, oh, what a world as it's melting like it's the Wicked Witch. That is they funny. wanted one of the they wanted that scene. <laughs> <laughs> but like I, I don't want to end talking about the things I hated. Those things that I hated, I truly thought were disgusting. The things that I loved were so delightful. And there were so many funny little scenes that uh yeah, two thumbs, but two adamant thumbs. It's also, exactly Also we didn't talk too much about the Gizmo gets a Rambo moment, and also they have mm-hmm. like upped the detail on the puppets, but also kind of not. Like they simplified and streamlined gizmo more so he looks cuter than he did in the first movie um and then yeah the gremlins are bigger and more expressive than they were in the first movie and like they're all very distinct like yeah we get to just come up with whatever the fuck hell we want yeah uh which there's so much personality behind it too and then yeah yeah they got an entire building to go crazy on and it's just like this is just business building any business you can (laughs) think of business exists here just because for fun's sake Whatever, there's a genetic testing area here. That makes sense next to a a TV studio. Who cares? Right. Just do it. Like, this movie had, like, there is a, uh, it's almost a movie I would love to write a reboot of. To just, like, how, like, I would love to do all these same silly things or even my own silly ideas. But to tie in, like, you know, there's something about, like, the brainy gremlin is so smart he can see the truth. This is a trope that they use with, um rick from rick and morty and there have been some batman comics that explored it these characters that are so brilliant that they understand they are characters in a fictional show and therefore that's how you kind of can justify the fourth wall breaking yeah i i would love to do something like that with this story so this movie just like it it was not interested in that and god bless it you know it doesn't have to be they did the That's thing where, like, they, they held nothing back. Like, we've talked about this before, where it's just, like, they threw all of the interesting, fun stuff at the wall and mm-hmm. used all that. There isn't, like, like, we talked about this, how, oh, if they did a reboot of something on a Netflix show, it would be, like, an entire season of boring bullshit, and then the last five minutes, like, Skateboard <laughs> yeah. Dog gets on the skateboard, and the series is called Skateboard Dog. Exactly. Uh, because, yeah, that's how so many of these feel like they are. And this one, I think... You really just need to do that. You need to put your best ideas forward. You need to start at, like, the most interesting part of the movie. Like, mm-hmm. why waste all this time with boring setup? Like, you're wasting so much time and effort to do that in so many mm-hmm. of these other adaptations or, you know, even just modern series in general, not even adapting an existing thing or uh, reboot. Where, like, 
yeah, it really feels like they gave it their all. It, this movie is going like 150 miles an hour the entire time. And you know what? That is kind and, of what you want out of a sequel, right? Like it yes, sort of makes yeah, Gremlin yeah. 1 feel like a, pr- like a proof of concept as opposed mm-hmm. to a movie in and of itself. It was like, well, we could make a movie that's pretty silly. And then they made the movie that was the, what they wanted to make. They wanted to make that silly of a movie. Yeah. And I think because this didn't perform as good at the box office, like it didn't get a sequel like Greenlit. And they've been talking about it for years, actually, as recently as mm. 19 or uh, 2019. They were talking really? about maybe doing a Gremlins 3. There's talk of doing like an animated movie, but like nothing's mm. really panned out, which is kind of a shame. It's insane how popular this is. I assumed there's like five Gremlin sequels because that's usually how movies like this go, mm-hmm. you know, like. It gets popular enough to become this cultural icon that they then slam it into the dirt and it's like beating a dead horse where you get so many sequels just mm-hmm. cranked out and cranked out. Reboots cranked out. Um, be- But I think because like Amblin and Spielberg own it, Spielberg is very adverse to that sort of mentality mm-hmm. to just ruin your movies or crank it out for money's sake. He's like, it seems to be like, oh no, do it if you think it's worth your time. Like, there's no reason right. to do this. You just want to do it for money. Like, you don't have a good idea for this, then don't do it. Which, Roxy, can I just say, uh, there's kind of been this movement going around film Twitter right now about oh. um, the term elevated horror and how it's kind of mm. unfair to the the genre of horror, which obviously you and I have a lot of affection for. I think so, too. I I. I actually really hate the term elevated horror. Um, See, but... I, this is this is why I'm going to say I like the term elevated horror. Really? And why okay. It's kind of important because horror did this to itself. Horror, the, the <laughs> reason that like Gremlins, I don't think I would call it a horror franchise is because there were only two movies. A true horror franchise it would do exactly what you're describing. It would have beat the shit out of this concept and given us Gremlins 6 and they would definitely go into space and it would be shitty. And the fact that so much horror has been so bad for so long, you kind of need a term to say like, this isn't as bad as the <laughs> horror you're used to. Well, I think also this franchise spawned so many like little critter, like, I mean, literally the movie Critters, but like yeah. little creature features like this. Whereas these little rascally creatures, there's there's critters, there's ghoulies, uh, there's like 50 million things I can't think of off the top of my head right now. Mm-hmm. That like, beca- we didn't get a Gremlins 3, but people took that concept and then ran it into the mm-hmm. ground with their own franchise. Right. <laughs> Doing their own yeah. spin on what, what could be more Gremlins uh, franchise sequels that were bad. So you're saying the term elevated horror, it's more supposed to be like, yeah, we're trying to make a new thing instead of just kind of slamming things into the dirt that have already been I, I think before. I think the term is valuable in that a lot of people's perception of horror is that it is shitty and and has been fucked over yeah. and because it has been like because that's what yeah. horror has done so it's like I think that term is valuable to say like this is more of a movie than Jason 8 which is just like a, a kind of an incompetent movie you know what I mean like horror yeah Horror let itself get to but that I mean, point. You just say that's a bad, that's just like a bad horror movie. Just like there's bad action movies, there's bad romance movies, there's bad drama movies. Like Exactly. But horror became known for that. I don't know. I feel like it demeans some of the other ones, though. Like, I don't know. I, I think you're making me not hate the term as much when I can contextualize it like that. But yeah, I feel like it's kind of like, well, what about all those other movies? Mm-hmm. Is elevated horror only the more recent things? Like, 
Like, would they yeah, call I, I, Poltergeist 1 elevated horror? Probably not, because it was made not recently. I feel like elevated horror is yeah. only used to describe more recent movies, kind of. I mean, it, it, it is absolutely a marketing term for, like, the A24 kind of horror movies. Yeah. But, like, I, I would, I mean, I would certainly call The Shining elevated horror. I would call... Uh, okay. Uh, Silence of the Lambs, I would call elevated horror. Like, I think these movies, like, it, it's yeah. existed throughout. It just That's maybe true. wasn't called that. But, like, the way to kind of put it in your brain as like don't worry it's not gonna be a uh, dumb camp counselors showing their boobs and getting sliced open like it's gonna have something to say about the world like all good art uh which is fair yeah oh do you see him hey, hey. he's got a christmas hat he's got a little santa hat on i wonder i wonder if he has an opinion on elevated horror <laughs> yeah what do you think demon bob what's your opinion on elevated horror you give a shit I feel that the term elevated horror is yet another in a long line of insulting attempts by so-called intellectuals to distance themselves from genre work. I don't read comic books. I read graphic novels. It's okay to like Lady Gaga because she was educated at Juilliard. It's an attempt to shame people for enjoying things they enjoy. Uh, all right, all right, Demon Bot. We get it, we get it, we get it. Uh, what do you, what do you want? <laughs> Mikey and Roxy. For next week, you must watch the 1999 speculative fiction and not sci-fi film End of Days starring Arnold Schwarzenegger for New Year's. Oh, my God. I guess. <laughs> Is it? Okay. End <laughs> I of think Day. it's called like Y2K, Arnold... right? Uh, I think this movie came out in 1999. So, yeah. Yeah. This is our New Arnie. Year's movie, Roxy. Is this our first Arnie movie? It must be. He's not a big horror guy. Although I guess we didn't do Predator. Predator. We need to do original Predator at some point. But yeah, yeah I think this we is our first Arnie movie. I did not think our first Arnie movie would be End of Days, but <laughs> here it is. Okay, I've never seen this. Uh, I'm excited to see what what is going to be the End of Days, Mikey. Is, is Arnie going to stop it? What do you think? I'll bet he will. I think he's important to do it. I know that this is kind of a, a, a hellish, like hell is coming to Earth sort of movie. So okay. we got to make a bet for next week, obviously. All right. Here's my proposal. What do you say we bet whether or not Satan makes an appearance? Visually, Ooh. is there a representation of Satan in this movie? Okay. Um, I'm going to say yes, because I want to see Arnie punch some sort of facsimile of Satan in the face. I hope we get that. I want I that, want that, so I'm going to say yes. That would be cool. I'm going to say no, because I think Arnold Schwarzenegger is going to stop it with his Ooh, uh, okay. strength. Yeah, that's a good counterpoint, honestly. I think he's going to use his strength. <laughs> All right, the bet's locked in. Hell yeah. Okay, Mikey, we've been talking about, honestly, a lot of things that have been making us happy this week. Yeah. But what about the highlight? What made you the most happy in this week of Christmas, this holiday week? What what uh, happened in your real life outside the scary basement that made you happy? Well, it did come from a scary basement thing. This movie, oh. uh, Gremlins 1 and 2, the character Kate is played by the actress Phoebe Cates, uh -huh. who I suspect her most famous role was in Fast Times at Ridgemont High, when during I've a fantasy sequence- she uh, comes out of the pool and takes off her red bikini top and shows her breasts. And it's like this very famous scene that oh. pushed a lot of young men into sexual maturity. <laughs> okay. This week, I was reminded of a song called Phoebe song. by the band Phoenix TX. Uh, okay. It's a pop punk band. It's a song called Phoebe. It's about Phoebe Cates. It's about... <laughs> 
Uh, it kind of starts off as this like kind of general horny teenager. I really like seeing her boobs in this movie kind of song, but kind of becomes this song about like, man, maybe all I need is a girl like Phoebe. <laughs> it kind of becomes like sad and sweet. And it's a song that I liked a lot growing up and was reminded of it watching Gremlins and was happy to be reminded of it again. Nice. That sounds delightful. Yeah. What's making you happy? Uh, the thing that's making me happy this week, actually, is once again, Final Fantasy XIV related. I know. We're all very uh, surprised. I know. Yes. I, I, I didn't know that was going to be what you were going to talk about, but I knew that was what you were going to talk about. Specifically, though, it is also Scary Basement related, though. Ooh. Because what I did with help from other players and folks online, both in Twitch chat and in the uh, the guild free company that I have, is we recreated as close as we could using mm. tools of the game the scary basement <laughs> to make a venue <laughs> in the basement of a building in Final Fantasy 14 where we will be able to someday do live shows within the game uh, which would be <laughs> it's going to be insane there's like a bunch of scary chairs we've got a little stage set up uh, there's all kinds of horrifying artifacts that we found um, it's also got like a trick entrance to even get in there in the first place I love it so it was super fun to like think about what is the like weirdest shit I can find and how am I going to place <laughs> it within the confines of what this game will allow me to do. And I think it'll probably be the only time I can get you to play this game, but I'm very excited to see you create a character, Mikey, to try and get mm -hmm. a character to <laughs> look like you and someday be able to uh, do some shows here. <laughs> I'm excited too. Uh, that's not true. I'm not. I don't like Final Fantasy, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it for you. And I'm going to do it I for mean, the you're just going to make a character. You're just going to be running around. You don't have to worry about actually playing the game, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to start out with spiky hair and it's going to piss me off. It'll be fine. I mean... I'll shave it. I'll shave it bald eventually. <laughs> Once I find enough uh, gill or mana. I mean, you can start bald if you want. Oh, okay, great. Yeah, you can yeah, do it. You can do it all. <laughs> so now it's time, Mikey, for Haunted Plugs. We have come to the end of our Christmas episode. Ooh. So, Mikey, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Secret Blimp. And you can find me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Secret Blimp. I'm streaming Mondays and Thursdays at 8. I'm sorry, 5.30 to 8.30 p.m. Hell yeah. Uh, and I am on Twitter at RedMageRoxy, and I am also on Twitch as RedMageRoxy. I stream three days a week on Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Sundays. Also, make sure to give us five stars. Make that five scary stars on your podcast app of choice. Also, leave a review for the podcast Scary Basement. You know that really helps us out. Also, don't forget to share and scare this podcast with your friends. As always... Don't sign any contracts offered to you by demon robots. See you next week.